In a world filled with never-ending wonders and opportunities, our body seems to be going in the opposite direction, wearing out day by day. Whether it's emotional or physical breakdowns, we get discouraged by losing our capacity to enjoy what life has to offer. Unless, of course, you do something about it. Joining me today from Brooklyn, New York, is Danny Shapiro, who's a physical therapist and calls himself the Muscle Whisperer. He runs a practice in the city called Project Physical Therapy. And over the next 45 minutes or so, he will share his wisdom, or as he puts it, self-improvement through positivity and movement for a happier and more pain-free life. Everyone, let's welcome Danny to the show. Welcome, Danny. <laughs> thank you, Manoj. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Very excited to dive in and uh, talk about all the things that we're going to talk about. I can't wait. The pleasure is all mine. And thank you for taking this time out uh, to be with us today. And I have questions for you. I love it. Let's go. Let's do it. I am new to physical therapy. What is it? So physical therapy from the just a very broad general standpoint is the practice of alleviating pains within the like the physical pains within the body right when you break your bones when you tear a muscle when you want to get stronger and you want to get more in tune with your body physical therapy generically speaking is your place to go right we're the people who make sure that after you get a surgery done after you get into a major car accident if you have a stroke a heart attack Again, you, you sprained your ankle, we're the ones, after the surgeon's done, after everybody prescribes drugs to you, we're the ones that actually bring you back your life. We're the ones that bring back the quality of life, right? After surgery, you can't do anything, right? We're the ones that make sure that you can. <laughs> we're the ones that make sure that you get back to doing the things that you love around your life, outside of the injury. And how different is physical therapy from... Uh, chiropractic or physiotherapy? So, well, physical therapy and physiotherapy, they're, they're synonymous. Um, but chiropractor focuses mostly on the adjustment of the spine, right? Or just manipulations. Rather, we focus on everything. There are chiropractors who handle the entire body, but uh, most of the time, not, not quite the entire body. We dive into a much deeper kind of responsibility in terms of really getting the patient back, right? From day one to the last day, getting them back to, to being more functional and doing what they need to do. Chiropractors, some are great, some are not. Uh, same as physical therapy, but physical therapy dives in deeper. A physical therapist is a professional of the anatomical body, right? We're supposed to know everything <laughs> to make sure that you, again, to make sure that you get back to living your life how you want to. So that means you're dealing with people with pain every single day. And um, how do you help them get through that pain? I, I assume it's more of an emotional uh, connect that you need to have with your patients while you work with them through their physical rehabilitation. Absolutely. And this is something that I love actually talking about because getting down to the psychological side of of treatment, right? Physical pain is there, right? When someone comes to me with, with, with a painful shoulder, that shoulder is painful, 
right? They can't lift their arm. They can't reach forward. They can't work out. Like that is understood. But what is that? How is that making the person feel, right? And it's once you identify that portion of, of the conversation of how is it that you feel? How is it actually really affecting your life? How is it affecting your family? How is it affecting your relationship to the outside world and your friends? Then the therapy really starts. The, you, you touched a, a, a question there. How is it that you feel? You know, every day you meet so many people and you ask the question, how are you? And the answer is, I'm fine. But in reality, what I found is that no one's actually fine. Everyone has some kind of trauma or, or chaos that they are going through in their life. And especially in your field, it's something that you have to go through with people every hour of the day. So what have you noticed about people and their life? Because I'm sure at the end of the day when you've you know, locked the door of your practice and you're walking back to your car or to the subway, you're thinking about life. You're thinking about the lives of others. Um, what, do you, what do you notice? Well, the way I approach it is... Actually, like when I walk out, I'm actually full of energy and full of life and, and the opposite of drained. Most people, after hearing for hours at a time of the, the pains that people go through and what, what's, how, that affect, that, how that affects their lives, usually they feel drained. Like at the end of the day, like, oh my God, today was heavy. I work the opposite. At the end of the day, I'm the most, like the end of the day is the most energetic part of the day for me because... I'm so excited and so pumped up that I'm actually able to help these people more than just on a physical, like on a physical level, right? Really just getting into the psyche of the person is such an incredible experience, not only for them, but also for myself, because I get to know each and every single person that comes in here more than just the, I'm fine, like you mentioned, right? getting to really know someone and getting someone to open up and put put their quote-unquote burden on you is the most amazing feeling because you, you really feel like you can help them in more than just one way as being the physical. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist, psychologist, none of, the, none of that, but you don't have to be to be able to connect with somebody, right? Like when you meet a friend or before someone becomes a friend, how do they become a friend? Right. You have to dive deeper a little bit into their life. Find out, you know, do you have what are their core values? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like on a, on a very general side. But through digging through connections and, and really getting to the inner workings of the person, you establish that relationship. Right. So that was that's you can have that when you're trying to build friendships, as well as when you're trying to build a patient and medical professional relationship. But it needs to be deeper than just the kind of like, how are you? I'm fine. OK, let's get to work. Right. And that's how I approach it. So at the end of the day, I mean, I, I feel great because I'm able to, I know every single one of my patients. I know everything, like not everything, obviously, but I know so much about their life and I can help in so many more ways than just one of, okay, how does this feel? Better? Great. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I'm, I love, at the end of the day is the most energetic part. You know, we live in a world where, Everyone wants to be bold and beautiful, rich and famous. Everyone wants to be this strong, macho kind of 
person. And it's often difficult for people to open up. Do you find that in your practice as well? Or do they actively open up because they feel, oh, here's a stranger, here's somebody I don't know, and he's in the medical field, and they just open up? Or do you really have to work with them to get them to open up? And I also want you to speak about how do you get people to open up? How do you build that trust? Because they're not even able to trust their own partners or their own children or their own parents. How can they just open up with you? Well, it's all about the approach. You know, like, of course, everyone is different. Sometimes it is harder to connect with others just because they have their walls up, right? Everyone has a wall. It's just how thick and strong is that wall and how soon can you break through it? Um, but I don't find getting to know people difficult because it's all about the approach and the interest. Like, how interested are you actually in getting to know someone? I make it very clear. I'm very interested in getting to know you. Even if I see them just once in my office, by the time they leave my office, I already know a great deal about who they are as a person, not what they do, not, not talking about that. That's very surface level. I try to really dive in and get to know the person so that we establish a relationship of trust, of communication, and of, of just this nice, it's a partnership. Right. I try to develop a partnership. Why does it have to be that way? For example, when you take your car out to a mechanic, you just want the mechanic to fix the car. And if he gets or she gets closer to you trying to understand, you go, hang on, you just fix my car. So do you come across that kind of situation where they're like, no, just fix me. Don't get to know me. Uh, or why do you think it's important to get to know the person? Um, because it seems to me that physical therapy is quite it's just a physical, external uh, practice. Physical therapy is an external physical practice. However, when we're talking about someone's progression through pain and getting someone to the end result of, okay, like this is where I want to be, this is what I want to do post-injury, the psychological, psychosocial elements that go into therapy, like the mentality of someone once injured, and I know because I was injured once too, quite seriously as well, uh, it plays such a big role. So if you're just treating someone for the external physical, you're not, you're not really getting them. There are studies done on this where like for, for chronic pain, pain, like pain that people have had for years, where if you, if you have someone that has a negative outlook to therapy, they're not going to be getting any better. If they do, it's little, it's a little to no difference. But when you have someone who has a positive outlook with the same injury, with the same issue, and that that's how they approach their injury in a positive manner, that is what usually gets someone out of that chronic pain situation. So the, menta the mental health of an individual is incredibly important, and that's what I feel is actually missing from the medical field. Whether you're a doctor, a physical therapist, a chiropractor, this is the, the mental side of of and again, you're not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You're just trying to connect with the person. And that connection is what's missing. And that's why it takes so long for people to get better. And that's why there's such little trust within the medical community because the person that comes into the office to see the medical professional, they're just, they just feel like they're a number. They're just coming in to get treated and then off they go. And it's just you're not, you're not covering all of your bases, which I think is super important. The, the mental health of someone is 
is so priceless. It's so important. It's it needs to be included in plan of care. When did you take interest in the mental health of of your patients? Was it something your mentor or your teachers in your college built within you, or is it something that came through your own personal self reflection and observation and awareness? Well, I like to think of it as you can't exactly teach this. Like you have to, you have to, you can guide someone through it to the realization of, okay, I need to care about the person in front of me. But for, for myself, I've always cared deeply about people ever since I was little. Um, actually prior to physical therapy, I was a competitive professionally trained ballroom dancer for 16 years. Uh, starting from the age of four and five and competing for like my first international world championship was by the age of 10 in England. Um, and I had a very like crazy vast career with dancing, but throughout, uh, my goal was to constant, like was to help people one way or another, whether it was through the teaching of dance or now through physical therapy, I've always wanted to help people. And once I dove into the physical therapy field, you know, finished my schooling, actually opened up my own practice. I was, I was able to do that in how I know best and how I know best is through the communication and just developing a partnership, a relationship with the people that come in. And that was just, it's so fulfilling. The feeling I get when I meet someone for the first time, I'm, I'm just bouncing off the walls excited because I get to establish another connection with another human being and I get to help them. And it's just, that is like the highlight of every morning. I wake up so excited to help people and to make them happier, whether it's through being able to lift their arm again or just cracking a really bad joke that they laugh at because they pity me. <laughs> but, you know, but that's why I make them. So, yeah, it's, it's just been it's always been something inside of me where I really want to help people. And that desire comes across through how I speak to them. And because I, I genuinely care about the person that comes in to see me. That's that's wonderful. You mentioned, you know, just going back to that opening up part of the conversation that we had, um, I had the pleasure of attending uh, an online session with somebody who's promoting mental health awareness uh, amongst young people, particularly, and particularly amongst men. And he was saying that it's often difficult for men to open up. Do you find that find the same in your profession? And if so, how do you get them to open up? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, men and women are different, uh, of, co of course, but men are a little bit harder to open up, but they open up not like regardless. <laughs> um, you know, I, I myself, for example, it is very tough, it is, and it, which is really funny. Um, for myself, it's very hard for me to open up to people. It's, I feel like I don't want to burden people with my own stuff that's going on with me. Mm. Uh and that's a good thing and a bad thing, I guess. I don't know. But that's that. I know that with myself. Right? My girlfriend yells at me about that all the time. <laughs> so, um, But if someone was to ask me the right questions, and, mm. and the right questions are very, very subjective, right? It's not like every question is the same for every person, right? Usually when someone comes in, I've been very, I've been very good at kind of sensing people and kind of like getting a preliminary um, – understanding of the person before diving in 
that's actually from my dancing days. Uh, that that's where that was trained. And usually, you know, if a man comes in to see me for an issue, like I, I try to opening, getting him to open up is super important because again, that's part of the treatment process. So every person is different, but if you ask the right kind of questions, if you align their interests, if you, if someone was to align with my interests and start quite asking me questions about that, I mean, I, I, I will open up to you and share with you the world, but that's exactly what I do in here as well. So men, men I find are harder to, to get them to open up, but when they do, it's amazing because it's an actual, it just, it's natural. Again, that wall is not there. It's a natural conversation. And as long as you can get there, you're golden. Like you made it. Absolutely. I think it's all about trust, really. And many times people have, you know, have been failed by other people. Uh, and some people have this facade of wanting to be strong, not to show their weaknesses. And I think more and more awareness is being uh, created across the world that you don't need to do that. It's yeah. okay to show your vulnerability, get help in a timely manner and in a proper manner. And it's fantastic that influencers like yourself, so, you know, uh, movie stars and uh, leaders of, of the country, doctors, teachers, these are all people who have a great impact on our lives from a young age. And when, doc when uh, therapists and doctors like yourself are showing that by example, I, I suppose it gives faith to people that, yeah, I can share my heart, I can tell him or her what's causing an internal pain. And if I can get that sorted, my physical pain can eventually be sorted as well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and that, that's again why, why getting down to the core belief and core desire of the person is so important. And look, w women are incredibly tough as well. I've met some very hard, like very difficult to reach women who just again have a bigger wall than than I do uh, when it comes to like talking with people. But uh, really, once you align with with their mental health and and once you align with their goals and really get to the bottom of it, I mean it's it is just a beautiful thing. And through social media, I really advocate opening up as well. Um, you know, for example, I just made a recent post a few days ago that like I try to I only put positivity out on my social media. Uh, on, on Instagram, for example. So one day I decided to, you know what, let me let me share with my audience that I too feel like shit sometimes. I know I also have really bad days where I wake up and I'm just filled with self-doubt and like nothing I do is, is going to be good enough today. Or I don't know, why do I feel like I have the right to run my own practice? Why do I feel like I am good enough to help the people that come to see me? But that's okay. We're all human beings. It's impossible not to have those thoughts. And once you can recognize them and embrace them, however it is that you embrace it, I mean, it's just so, so lifting, so much more freedom. And just you can continue on living, whether you're with pain or without it. Acknowledging that that self-doubt is so important in, into instead of just like pushing it away and like pretending, oh, you don't exist. The self-doubt, no, no, you're not there. Take it, take it, bring it in. Like let it, let it consume you and then overcome it and push on and be stronger for it. You mentioned about a few times about core values. Um, can you tell me or, or tell our listeners, what do you think are the core values that people should build throughout their life? I mean, it, it really depends on what's important, but core values... Uh, I mean, love each other, right? That's a core value that everyone needs to needs to hop on because it's it's so it's 
a couple words, right? But people don't do that. It's so much easier to be negative and break other people down than it is to just love each other, right? Like we, we, you and I, we, we are get more you know, obviously getting to know each other more through the podcast and through speaking. But even before, like when I wrote the message to you on Twitter, like yes, I want to be on your podcast. I already had love for you, right? I have nothing against you, right? And that's one of the core values that I think people need to accept and build upon. They love each other. The other one is respect each other, right? Even if you disagree with someone, what's the difference between saying, no, you're wrong, and I pre- or, or the difference between that and saying, well, I appreciate your outlook, but what about, what are, or what are your thoughts on this, right? It's like a different way of speaking to each other, right? And that comes through respect. So those are some of the core values I think people really need to build upon because it's really, I feel like it's lacking, right? Even in the physical therapy world, like it's, people just want to attack each other instead of like, yeah, good job. That's awesome. Like support. And and why is that? Uh, have you, have you contemplated on this, on this big questions of life? Why is it difficult for people to love and respect each other? It seems such a simple thing to do. I mean, there are times I think, what are we doing with our kids in schools? Why are we teaching them the sciences and the mathematics and the codings and all that stuff when you can just teach them how to overcome problems and how to respect people? You would have a much better world. It sounds simple, but why is it difficult for people to do this basic thing? I mean, you look at the problems around the world. It's because these two things are lacking. Yes. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I mean, it's it's really funny. Like these two, like if people were just have more of these two things, our world would look very different, like incredibly different. And you know, maybe it's it's challenging for people because with with social media, people become very self absorbed and self into themselves, right? Like I'm not posting information on Instagram or Twitter. For myself, it's not a vanity thing. I'm not interested in people giving me compliments. I could care less about the compliments themselves. Rather, I, I, I appreciate them. I love them. I love to see them and the positive feedback. But I put out my content because I want to help people and I want to give to people instead of taking. And that giving mentality, like I want to share everything I know to help people, even though I may not know them. I have followers who are from all over the world. And I love that because I get to reach all those people. And again, I have a love for them without even knowing them. I have a respect for them without even knowing them. And again, I'm not doing anything for myself. And I think that the more people get away from themselves, this give me, give me, 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 me kind of mentality, the more they can have the you mentality, the acceptance of who you are and be more open to respect and love and to just thrive on that instead of trying to maintain this like me I'm the center of the universe kind of even if someone don't think so doesn't think about it right it's not always about me I think the two big things that's coming in the way of people's opportunity to love and respect is fear and ego Uh, fear of missing out fear of losing fear that uh, I may suffer if I don't have this. And ego, as you rightly said, I am the center of attention. Everything that I survey belongs to me. Everybody should accept me. 
everyone should accept my instructions. So this me, myself, and I plus fear together makes people very insecure, very lonely, and very uh, competitive unnecessarily. And I think that's being fueled in today's society as well, whether it be at a workplace or whether it be in a school or a college or even in a family. It's actually entertained, but people are not aware of the consequence of this. Exactly. Exactly right. And it, it, is, it is a shame. I, I once read a quote somewhere that said, or somebody said it, that said, we have successfully guided a missile to attack any part of the world, but we have misguided humans. Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that, that we have so, my, so many wars that's been fought. We have so many cases of mental trauma. We have so many cases of crime. And still, we're taking our own sweet time to fix it. But there are people fixing it. There are people addressing it. And kudos to them. And you're one of those. So it's, it's again, once again, it's great to see a therapist or a doctor taking that time to travel into the mindset of, of their patients. I think that's, that's really good. And even teachers uh, in schools and universities should be doing this. Sometimes we get caught up with our, mm, with, with our trade. You know? uh, we get caught up with fixing and, and we forget the person whom we are fixing. Did you take up some study to, to understand people more deeper? Do you read books? Uh, how do you build your own knowledge of, of helping people, people out with love and respect? I always strive to be better, right? Even whoever I am now and however I deal with people now and treat people now, I always want to get better, right? There's no such thing as I'm the best. Like you can always get better. Uh, so when it comes to like reading, uh, yes, absolutely. I love reading, for example, the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That book, I recommend every single person to read because that book, if, if you don't have this mentality yet, you'll get it from that book. Uh, and even reading it already with the mentality of, like, I, of who I am now, I just finished reading the book uh, a few weeks ago. It inspired me so much more, gave me more insight into how like people think and how people act. And I, I just love it. It is like things like that is just amazing. Even if you already know something and just you reread it again, it kind of like re-solidifies these things in your mind. So there are courses, there are books, there are self-help this and self-help that. But at the end of the day, you have to be willing to make those changes. So when you read these books, when you take these courses, when you learn these things, you have to be willing to apply it instead of just read it and be like, got it, check, right? What's the next step, right? And even social media has a lot of great outlets. For example, I follow, I've been following for a long time now, Gary Vee, uh, as well as uh, DRock. So Gary Vee and DRock have been incredible sources of positivity and kind of just a shift in how you think. Uh, and for people who don't follow, follow those two people on Instagram, follow them now because if you don't get pumped up from those posts, nothing else will. Because th those people, like just those two, there's tons others, but just those two people have dramatically 
contributed to who I am today in terms of how I think when I approach certain situations and people. Completely different. And again, it's things like that. It's You can take it, you can see it, but you have to apply it. If you don't apply it, it's everything you read and spend your time on is utterly useless. So there are things that people can do to build on, on who they want to be and who they want to become. You just have to be willing to do it. Great tips there. I just want to come back to your, to your practice again. How did you get into that field? You know, in a in a world where people want to be computer specialists and software developers and engineers and lawyers, I'm not saying people don't want to be doctors or therapists either. But how did you how did you figure that field out for you? Was there someone in the family, or did you go through a situation where you were treated by someone and you felt, "Yep, this is what I want to do"? Again, it comes back to that feeling of ever since I was little, of I just want to help people. And as I got older and kind of started to learn about all the fields that are out there, even when I was still, like, I was very driven to be a professional dancer for the rest of my life. But I knew that if anything was to ever happen or I wanted to do something else, I discovered physical therapy as being that option. Now, one day I, I decided I needed to make the choice of do I continue with my professional dancing career or do I go the other route of going into physical therapy? And I went into physical therapy also hoping to help the dancers that were in my community. Ballroom dancing, unlike many other professional sports, doesn't have a uh, you know professional medical team behind it. The injuries that dancers get, they have to deal with themselves. There's no... The medical support for dan- ballroom dancing is practically non-existent. And so I wanted to be that. And I was that and am that. But physical therapy was always something in the back of my mind, like, okay, I actually, I'm, I'm getting more and more interested. I want to do it. I want to do it. And then I went for it. Uh, and because that was what aligned with my values the most, and that was what would give me the most person-to-person contact. When you go to a doctor, most of the time you see the doctor for 10 minutes, maybe, unless you're on their table for hours, knocked out as they cut into you. But uh, I wasn't uh, interested in that. I I want to be the person to kind of like say, okay, you had this. I got your back. I got you. Let me me take care of you now and and bring you back into what it is that you want to do. And that was what aligned with me the most and why physical therapy was my choice. Because that was the that checked off all the boxes of all the things I wanted to do to be and to to promote. So that, that's why I chose physical therapy. I'm sure you get a lot of cases, and I just wanted to go through some of them. I'm sure you get cases where people say, I thought the pain would go, but it still hasn't. Well, if someone says the pain is still there and hasn't, hasn't gone anywhere, well, then you just haven't addressed it yet. Pain, pain is a response to something wrong. So if you're, if you're approaching something and the pain is still there, you're missing something. There's a missing piece. So if someone tells me, like, hey, like I, you know, I went, I went to, I went to you or I went to this other person, I'm still kind of experiencing pain, I'm like, all right, let's 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 dial this up a notch. Let's get let's dive in deeper. What let's find out, okay, if what I'm doing or if what someone else did is not quite working, let's find you something that does work. Let's get to the bottom of this. For example, I had a woman come to me a couple weeks ago. Uh, she's had pain, back pain for 14 years. 14, right? That's a long time. She, she's been to doctors, gotten injections, been to physical therapy, chiropractor, uh, you name it. But she still had this pain. 
She couldn't touch the floor. She couldn't bend over. She couldn't walk for a long period of time. She couldn't stand for a long period of time. She couldn't sit for a long period of time. The only thing that really helped was laying down. This person came in for the first time, 14 years of pain. Within the first session, we knocked out all of it. Now, we're obviously continuing a plan of care because even though we decreased all that pain, we need to solidify it and keep building on it and to find out what caused it initially and to make sure that never happens again. However, when addressing the real root cause of it, it is, it's just amazing, right? Because if, if she wasn't listened to, he, a lot of doctors have already like, someone comes in, they have a little back pain, they're like, oh, okay, it's this. Like they just assume, they do a few couple things, but they assume it's because of this. And either prescribe pills or the therapist does some kind of massage or some other use of things, but they are not going to the root cause of the issue. And when that root cause is discovered and worked on, I mean, that's when the pain really goes away. So to answer your question, just show, like to bridge it back, if someone still has pain, you just haven't found the root cause of it yet. And it is your job to find it and to get rid of it uh, and to keep looking for it until you do. And you may even have cases where they say they went to another doctor and they were just told, take some rest, here's some painkillers. And several weeks later, the problem just didn't get better. So I suppose the answer to that is same as the other one as well. Attempt to find the root cause, but also find a doctor or a therapist that works for you. Right, exactly. Uh, if, if you're going to a therapist for, for three, four, five, six weeks, and there's little to no improvement, find a different one because they're, they're not getting to the root cause. They're doing what's whatever's in their generic protocol of, okay, we do this, then we do this, then we do the same generic exercise. We gave person A, B, C, D, and E, your patient F, you do this and you follow this line. That doesn't work. That doesn't work for people. It, this is not a factory, right? PT should not be a factory profession. It's an individualized profession where you come in, right? And I treat you as you. Someone can come in with the exact same symptoms, but I will not treat them like you unless I deem it necessary. But everyone has their own separate plan that's very particular to them. And with drugs, I mean, I am so against painkillers. I am so against it. Just like I'm against braces. Like if, if you have a, like, a, uh, like a sprained shoulder or something and someone tells you to be in a brace for six weeks, I am so against that. That that just puts a band-aid over the big picture, over the big issue. So when you take painkillers for pain, the pain goes away because the pain signal is blocked. So you continue to do all the things that cause you pain to begin with, mm. <laughs> which is an endless cycle of pain, pills, ah, oh, pain, pills, ah, oh shit, pain. Like so, and uh, where do we stop it? Right? I've known people who've been taking Advil four to six times a day for years, every day, just to deal with the pain. I've had people come into my, into my room who could barely sit upright without having incredible electrifying pain throughout the entire body for years. Not anymore, but that was what they were like before because no one addressed the root issue of it all, which is such a problem. It it's, frustrates me to no end. Yeah, absolutely. Just giving painkillers is... is it's, it's just a short-term solution and there's no long-term gain there. So it's, it's quite sad. And I've also come across people who just do their own healing techniques and their own uh, ways of overcoming the problem, whether they just read things online or watch a YouTube video. Yeah, uh, 
for listen, for some people, it helps, right? For the same reason I put out exercises and stretches, it helps. However, each of us have our own individual causes of pain. So while they may help, they may not always eliminate. So if someone has pain, you know, I, I tell people how, what I would do myself. So if I was to have pain, I would go in to see somebody specifically for that pain. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to just try to treat myself because, like, you know, this one video said, this is the cure-all to all pain. Well, I'm, I'm an individual. Again, th that may help, but you should seek the next step too. So for all those people who are on my social media, for example, um, who who go and do the stretches, they, feel, say, they, they say that they feel better. I always hope that if there's something that they feel better from, meaning they had pain and that stretch helped, I really hope that they look into seeing someone as well to make sure that they can get the best help possible. Because I, I would do the same thing. I would look up, see what's around, see what would help, what doesn't help. But ultimately, I would always go to a to someone else if I had something wrong with me that I that I just wasn't sure about. So they they can help, but they they people should definitely look for more help. <laughs> um, Absolutely, for, for sure. Yeah, and I and I assume majority of your customers are very physically active people, sports persons, dancers, people working in the construction industry, perhaps, or people. Uh, who have a very uh, a job that's a very desk job they're not walking around a lot those kind of uh, people but do you also deal with people who are very old because one of the things they get told is you know you're getting old so all these pains and aches are supposed to happen and so don't worry about it just 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 live through it i so let me so to explain the system here so, for example, I myself am out of network with insurances. I, I refuse to work with insurance policies because the plan of care would be completely different. For people who work with the insurance policies, the people who come in to see them, those people are just numbers. When someone comes in, that it's like, oh, insurance pay, that's a $30 person that insurance pays for. That's a $40 person. That's a $50 person. And I refuse to be like that. Right. That's why I'm able to like when someone comes in to see me, we sit down one on one for an hour. Right. Just you and me. No one else. No, no bullshit. Like you come in to see me. We work together because of that. It, the insurance policy actually bans me from working with people who are in the elderly. So anyone who has uh, something called Medicare here in the U.S. So it depends on so someone stops working and they're like over 65, 67. Uh, they can apply for this insurance policy, Medicare. And Medicare does not allow me to work with the elderly, unfortunately, because there's a lot of people who I who I come across and who who call me and who speak with me that like Danny, like I, you know, I'm I'm 70 years old, but I I like I there's so much more that I want to do. I was just gardening last week and now my back is killing me and my knees are killing me. Like I, I would love to get help. And unfortunately I can't work with them. Even though, like, they just because you get older, it does not mean life is over. There are 80 year olds who are gymnasts. Gymnasts! Like, that's crazy. That's amazing. There are 80 year old dancers. In the dancing community, there are people who are well over their 70s who are dancing. There was a man, I remember when I was uh, dancing in, in a studio in Jersey, for, in New Jersey, for example, he was something like 90 years old. And he was dancing tango. Age is nothing. Age is, age is this. A age is a jail cell that you put in your mind. 
right? Just because you're 80 years old, that does not mean you just have to sit on the couch, eat oatmeal, and call it a day, right? There is so much more to life. And people who are in pain at, at, at an older age, it does not mean that there's no other options. So, yeah, I, I really wish I could help them personally, even though, but, but I'm not allowed to. But people who are in pain, who are older, and for if anyone's listening to this, like, like that, that is older, you need to know that you don't have to live in pain. You can feel better. Pain is not a something that you just sit back and take and uh, carry on until the very end. Well said, well said. Can you share with our listeners what you have learned about life and how can people try their best to stay positive? So the answer is actually in the question that you just asked me. It's try your best. We all have shitty days. We all have days where we, the last thing we want to do is smile. The last thing we want to do is talk to somebody. The last thing we want to do is get out of bed and start our day and go to work and, and have to deal with certain people. What I find currently, and again, it may change next year, but what I find to have been the most helpful for myself is to just accept it and try your best. Life is beautiful. There's so many things outside of our work, outside of, like, there's so many beautiful things. The fact that you're alive is incredible. The fact that you get to wake up, get out of bed, and walk down the street is incredible. The fact that you are listening to this is incredible. So all we can do is just try our best and put one foot in front of the other and smile as often as you can. It is much harder to smile and be positive than it is to frown and be negative. right? And we just have to try and try our best. And... That's really the only way. You can't force it. If you force it, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to those around you. It's okay to be unhappy. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be depressed. But it's how can you how can you make a change? And I think the best way to do that is to accept it and build on it and embrace it and, and try to push past it one day at a time. So try your best. Dear listeners, you heard the man and I know you like the man as well. So please do check out his services on projectphysicaltherapy.com. You can also follow him on Twitter. His handle there is at project underscore PT. Uh, you mentioned yep. you're on Instagram. Yep. Uh, and also for Twitter, it's project, it's two underscores PT, just so that uh, everybody knows. And on Instagram, my handle is at official Danny Shapiro. And there you'll find tons of exercises, notes of positivity uh, and encouragement. And um, yeah, stay for the information, but also stay for the dance because uh, there's a dance at every video. <laughs> the, the dancing, the dancing therapist. Danny, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was a marvelous session with you. And I thank you so much for giving us uh, so much information and making sure we had a wonderful time with you, listening to your expertise and your outlook to life. I wish you all the best and hope we can come together again someday. Perfect. Manoj, thank you. This was really, really fun. And I hope we can come together uh, another day. This was this was great. This is a really great experience. And I hope that people can take something from this and, and apply it to their lives. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. It was, it was really a wonderful time. And uh, you're, you're an incredible person. Thank you.